With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Time to fire up the grill. Time to go to Total Wines and find the perfect flavor to pair with those burgers. Ooh, I love their beer cooler. <laughs> you love their prices even more. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Hey, don't forget the Johnsons are coming over. I want to find a rosé Jill hasn't tried yet. Let's go exploring at Total Wine. Their prices are ridiculously low. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more. Table podcast where tonight we are previewing the West Ham versus Liverpool game this uh, coming Monday evening. So joining us tonight once again for the Reds we have Jay Riley. You can catch Jay on the Radio City Fan Friday talk show and regular with us on the cop table now. So welcome back on Jay. How are you doing? Hi Peter, you're okay. I'm a little bit disappointed from the you know the game against Leicester, but. We move forward now and on to this West Ham game on the Monday night. Yeah, massive fixture coming up for us uh, down in London on Monday. And joining us for the Hammers this season, once again, we have Chris Akabusi. Chris joined us earlier in the season on on our first podcast. Obviously, Chris, uh, a legend in the UK athletics uh, game. So, pleasure to have you on once again. So, how are you doing, pal? Yeah, doing very, very well. Thank you very much for being in my team. (laughs) <laughs> well, we're going to start off with you, Chris, because uh, West Ham being the home side, we always start off with with the uh, the home team representative. So, just looking back at a few of the uh, the previous fixtures for West Ham and talk a little bit about the form that they're in. Been a few um, fixtures where they've come unstuck. FA Cup game uh, against Wimbledon, and then um, and Wolves as well. So, talk us a little bit about the form and the uh, performances of late, please, Chris. Well, we're going for. <laughs> To be fair, we've been like this. You know, we 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 started the season losing the first four games. We had a terrific run in the middle where we beat you know lots of Arsenal, and, and now we're back to the sort of bad form again. And I think really what's happening is that the old saying goals change games, and we're finding it difficult to score goals. Uh, we've had Arnautovich out for a while. I'm sure. We speak a little bit about him, but we've had him out for a while. And the guys that have replaced him, Carol Hernandez and Lucas, have just not been have not been in the same 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 territory. And so we're missing blatant opportunities. And then, you know, they get up the other side and they score. That's what happened against Bournemouth. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, Bournemouth did deserve to win the game, but we were in it for 55 minutes, but we couldn't score. And then bang, man, we're two down, game over. And, mm-hmm. you know, even, even a side like Wimbledon, who are at the bottom of the first division, found that we're very porous. You know, we're very, very porous at the back. 
Yeah, and, and just to, to possibly solve your, your striking problems, there's been, me and the lads were talking about it before we, we came on, saying uh, um, that the possibly in for, for Batshuayi, the um, the Belgian lad, and possible loan deal, is, is there anything in that for you? And is he the sort of player you'd be looking to to solve them striking problems that you've got? I think we're in for him every year. I, I, don't think, I don't think a year's gone by in the last three or four years when he hasn't been talked about on deadline day. Mm-hmm. He never comes. I don't think we're prepared to pay the wages. I think he wants 150, 160 grand a week. He's not getting that at West Ham. They might get it. Yeah. yeah, he's been linked with a few teams, apparently, at Everton, Tottenham. Um, but like the, the closest one he was apparently talking to was the Hammers. But obviously, the wages could be a, a sticking point with, um, with Batshuayi, couldn't it? Well, I mean, we, there's no way we can pay that sort of wages. And, um, I, I mean, I think that would, that would be the most expensive player in our club. And we've already had a problem with our Nightovic. Uh, you're going to get upset Anderson. You're going to get ups, uh, upset Lanzini. It's just not worth it. Spot on. Cheers, Chris. OK, then. Going to go over to you now, Jay. We're going to talk a little bit about the the game from last night. Obviously, we've come away with a point. 1-1 draw takes us five points clear of Manchester City, but great start for us, 1-0 up after after two minutes, obviously the pitch was in, was in a terrible condition and we couldn't play our, our free-flowing football if you like, and then the crowd seemed to get a little bit nervous for me and just didn't go to plan, did it, and get the equaliser just before half-time, so just give us your thoughts on the, on the performance, um, and obviously you was at the ground about the atmosphere as well, please Jay. Yeah, it was a bit frustrating, wasn't it? I mean, after what happened the night before with Newcastle and Rafa doing us a favour by beating Manchester City, which was a little bit unexpected, wasn't it? I mean, going into that game, we were all open that we know the way Rafa Benitez is. He's tactically astute, isn't he? So we were all hoping that he could, you know, a defensive masterclass really to maybe sneak a point. But to come from behind to win 2-1, it was fantastic. And it presented Liverpool with a great opportunity then to really ram the advantage home in this title race and go seven points clear and make it a three-game swing with, what, it'd be 14 games left. And, you know, it was always going to be a little bit of a, a tricky game because, you know, we were, we were coming on the back of a break. we off the back of a break. We'd been to Dubai for a couple of days and, you know, Leicester had, had, had an opportunity as well to recharge their batteries, though, because they'd been knocked out of the FA Cup as well. So, you know, in that sense, we didn't have much of an advantage, but... You were hoping, weren't you, that we'd have been fresh going into the game. And, you know, the, obviously what we've got to take on board is the conditions were awful. Now, I know the conditions were bad for both sides. You can't really make that as an excuse, but it clearly didn't suit Liverpool's, you know, the game plan really and our passing game or anything because, you, you know, you could see, couldn't you, like some of the balls, you had to measure your passes and some of them were being under hit. And, you know, it was just unfortunately really the conditions were terrible. Uh, and it, it's no, the pitch was awful because of it, and it definitely played a part in the game there against Leicester. And you know we struggled really. I, I thought we we came out the blocks fast. Obviously we got the goal with Mane, fantastic football leading up to the goal. Must have been quite a lot of passes. I haven't really seen much of it since the game, but there was loads of passes involved in the build up to it. The great finish by Mane. And then you know a couple of minutes later, Firmino had a really good opportunity as well, saved by Schmeichel and. 
you know, obviously when that if that would have went in two 0 pretty much game over. But because we never got the second goal, obviously Leicester came into the game a little bit more then, and you know, it's just frustrating, wasn't it, to concede the goal in the manner that we did? It was, you know, terrible really, given the free kick away by Andy Robertson, and then. You know, when you're in the ground, it looked like they were offside, but the, you know, Harry Maguire wasn't, was he? And he was left unmarked, and you know, we slotted it home. Right, it's the worst possible time for us to concede, really, right on the stroke of half time. And I was a bit disappointed, really, in the second half because you know, when when the onus is on Liverpool to break them down and, and get the three points, and we're at Anfield, don't forget, and you know, it was vitally important to get the victory. And we we often puff, but we never really created that much, did we? And it was infuriating, really, very frustrating. And too many players had off nights. And and I know, yeah, you know, as I said before, the conditions weren't great, they weren't ideal. But you know, too many players just didn't perform well. And you know, you're right in what you're saying about the atmosphere wasn't great, which was a little bit disappointing considering you know the mm. the importance of the game and the importance of these last couple of games that we've got now. These last 14 games, they're all every one of them is a cup final, really, and it just seemed a bit flat, didn't it? And you know, I, I, you could sense it around the stadium, the nerves kicking in, and that transcends mm. onto the pitch as well and the players. And you know, it's only natural, isn't it, that you're going to get that because. You know, we crave this this title. You know, it's the Holy Grail. We haven't won the league for 29 years. It, it's nearly three decades. And some people who are in that stadium have never even seen Liverpool win the league. So that's how important it is. That's how much we crave it. That's how, how, how big it is to us. And, you know, it's only natural that these little doubts are going to creep in and the tensions there. You can feel it. You, you could sense it around the ground. And like I said, the players are starting to feel it as well a little bit. And, it's not easy, and I know we need to settle down and we need to remain calm, but it's easier said than done because we want this so much, and it is definitely playing a little part, I think, with the nerves and the tension there. So we do need to take stock of that and we need to calm down a little bit and take a, take a little step back and you know, maybe get behind them a little bit more rather than you know this negativity that's surrounding them. I mean, obviously Liverpool 1-0 up and, and they were having opportunities and, that, and everyone's like... You know, the, the tension was just too much, really, and then it, it needs to stop, really, and we need to just get behind them as best we can, be the 12th man, because last night certainly wasn't the case, really, and it was a bit concerning going forward now, you know, into the last 14 games, because it's too early for this to be happening. If there was six, seven games left or whatever, fair enough, but, you know, there's still 14 games to go, and it needs to stop, but... Like I say, it was an off night and the only thing you can take out of it, the positives were that we gained a point on Man City in these midweek fixtures. It's one more, it's one less game now, isn't it, to worry about going towards this title running that we've got. And, you know, we've just got to see what we can do now going into the game against West Ham, but far too many players had off nights and, like I say, very disappointing performance once again by Naby Keita, albeit should there be a penalty on him. In the, in the ground, it wasn't really sure, but when you see the replays on the telly, it was, it was a penalty all day, and and my worry now is because of the, because of the stuff that's gone on with Mo Salah before, where he, he, you know he's got a couple of cheap penalties. I'd be very surprised now if Liverpool get much off referees in terms of penalties between now and May, because you know our cards marked really sadly, and you know it's a bit disappointing because it was a blatant penalty. Really, he stands on his foot inside the box, puts him off. At, Striking, having a shot at goal, it's a penalty all day, and it wasn't given. So you know you're going to feel hard done by in that situation. But like you say, Shaqiri didn't perform well either. I mean, people are being crying out, and I've been one of them people crying out for him to start games. And 
he just seems better as an impact player off the bench to tell you the truth. I thought he was poor. Um, but it wasn't just them two, you know, there was other players. I mean, I thought Firmino had an off night again. I thought Salah, you know, he's our best player, most creative spark, isn't he? The man that scores the goals. And he had an off night as well. So, you know, when your star players aren't performing, I thought Sadio Mane was probably our best player, our main threat, the live wire. Yeah. But you know, when Firmino and Salah aren't performing well, you know, you can't really single out the likes of Shaqiri or Keita because when the, the bigger and better players like Salah and Firmino aren't performing either, then you're going to struggle, aren't you? So it was just an off night and, you know, we got a point and we're five points clear now and we just have to move on from it. Yeah, I'm going to go back over to, to Chris now, but just one point that you made about the, the crowd and, and the atmosphere and Virgil van Dijk was in the, in the, the newspapers today and put a few things out to, as if to say exactly what you said there, that there's there's still 14 games to go and he knows how desperate Liverpool fans are for this league title and for us to, to lift that trophy in May. But he says the, that every pass was, was met, that misplaced pass, sorry, was met with a groan and every time Leicester had the ball, there was there was gasps around the stadium. And like you said, it transmitted to the players and it, a nervousness begins with them. So, Starts with the crowd, doesn't it? If the crowd get behind the players and give them that boost, then that'll transcend onto the pitch. And what he was saying, and yourself is right, that Liverpool fans just need to take that little bit of a step back, get the house back in order again, get behind the team, and and see where it takes us from now until the end of the season. But going back over to you, to yourself, Chris, we're going to talk a little bit about um, the man you touched on, Marco Anatovic. He's, he's just signed a new, new contract, so... Um, he was linked with a move to China, wasn't he? He was strongly linked with a the move there, but signed this brand new uh, contract. And uh, how important is that to to West Ham United? Anatovic has been a very good price for us the last eighteen months. Um, you know, and central to our ability, first of all, to stay in the in the league because you know there's two big leagues, there's, or there's the top four, five, six, and then. There's the rest of us who, first and foremost, have got to stay in the league. And last year, he helped us stay in the league. And, and, and this year, we were hoping he was going to help, help us get further up the league. But, you know, with, with the genius comes this real bad side of him. Um, we saw it at Stoke and he's done it again. And he's agitated for a move. Mm-hmm. And I'm not quite sure how good a move it was to keep him. You know, the chances are we're not going to go down. I'm sure when you're the owner, you know, every place is important and maybe Anatovic's goals can get you two or three places and that's big bucks. But I just don't know what sort of caustic environment gets into the playing staff when one of your guys acts bigger than everybody else and then gets rewarded mm. for it. So I don't know if it's a good move or not. Yeah, basically he's he's kicked off a stink, hasn't he? Threw his toys out to the pram and, and forced the, the West Ham board to act, so so you're not going to lose your star player, hasn't he? And the dressing room round must be looking round and thinking to themselves, well, well this guy, he, he's basically he, his demands. He's he said, look, it's either this, it's this way, it's high, my way or the highway, and he's been given what he wanted, hasn't he? Well, yeah, exactly. You've, you've got other people like you know Hernandez, for example, who must be looking around, and he's he's got options to go away, and he must be thinking also, well, hang on. If he can get some more money, so can I. You've got Anderson, who's actually been playing very, very well. Might be been very good. impressed with him, Chris, yeah. You know, Anderson's been a real good player for that. I mean, he, he, you know, he goes in and out every now and again. But the first couple of games, you can see he needed to 
catch up with Premier League football because you've got you know you've got to work first and then show your skills afterwards. But then he, he's come along really really well, so I'll be very happy with him. Um, and then you know we've got a young kid um, in Declan Rice who's had a phenomenal season again, yeah. which is scary really because he's only a young kid, but we really depend upon him. See now, now I've, we really messed him about with his, his contract. And yet, you know, this young kid could be with us for a very long time. Yeah, and he's very highly rated by not just West Ham United, isn't it? I think he's he's been mooted around a few clubs. I know Manchester City have been linked with him. I think Liverpool's been linked with him. You've got his, his international um, status where I think he's he's nominated Ireland, but England are pretty much pushing hard for him as well. So just on, on your personal thoughts of Declan Rice, I've not seen a great deal of him Personally, so I, I, I can't really comment. How how highly rated is this lad? Great player, great player. Um, he's just one of those sort of players who seems to have time, time to do everything. You know, it doesn't mm. matter how quick everything's going. He's got he's got time, and he picks out a good pass. Doesn't try and do much flash. You know, he's yeah. a he's a he's a nuts and bolts sort of player, but does it with a plum. Finds the right place at the right time. Good in the tackle, can protect the ball, and. Uh, you, you can just, he's one of those guys who've been calm. He's only 19. Mm. Or, no, no, he just turned 20 last, a couple of weeks ago. He's, but he's only so young, yet so calm and so assured and got such confidence and seems to be able to do the right thing under pressure. I've got no doubt he's not going to be with us in two or three years' time. He's too good for West Ham. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a hammer through and through. But you can mm. just tell we don't keep hold of players like him for too long. Yeah, another one off that um, that famed production line from West Ham Academy, haven't he, over the years? The likes of Ferdinand, Lampard, Joe Cole, all come through. And, and Mark Carey, um, just rolling all of the time, yeah. Yeah, and now um, Declan Rice is the latest one, so I'm sure in coming in coming seasons you'll see a few more from that production line, because that's the, the type of things that West Ham rely on, isn't it? That, that youth system and, and bringing their players, which they've been very successful at that's doing not- um, recently. We've been quiet. We've been quiet for a couple of years. So you are, you know, we had Charles mm. Coles, Ferdinand, um, uh, Defoe. We had all these young kids that came through, and then we were quiet for a couple of years. And then all of a sudden, Rice has come through. We've got another young lad, Diagana. Touch and go with him. Um, he looks like he's got something about him, but a little bit lightweight at the moment. Needs to bulk up a bit. But yeah, yeah. all of a sudden, it's like we're working again. Excellent stuff. Cheers, Chris. Right, okay then. Jay, just going to ask you a little bit about um, the performance of Jordan Henderson last night. Obviously, he slotted into that that right-back position where we were struggling with with Trent being out and and Milner suspended. There was talk that Wijnaldum might have been possibly filling in uh, Camacho as well. But Henderson got the nod and um, I thought he had a pretty decent game. But just give us your thoughts on the performance of Jordan Henderson, please, Jay. Yeah, it was a little bit of a surprise, wasn't it? I mean, when we were talking about who's going to play right-back if Trent Alexander-Arnold didn't make it because of his injury, I think a lot of people were saying it'd be Fabinho because obviously he's played there in the past. I think he played there for, for Monaco, didn't he? I think he had a full season there, actually. And he's also played this season for Brazil, his country, at right-back. But uh, he never made the starting lineup. Did he? he was on the bench and... I personally, if he would have started the game, he had to be in midfield for me anyway. So all the talk other than Fabinho playing there was going to be the young kids, Rafa Camacho. Um, but would have been a bit of a gamble, wouldn't it? Because he's only a young kid and 
when we, he played in the FA Cup game at Molyneux against Wolves. I thought he struggled a little bit, didn't he? At times, he looked all right, but he, he ventured forwards quite a lot for my liking, too much, really. And you can tell that he's naturally a, a winger that's converted to a full-back, you know, obviously in the under-23s and what have you. So, I, I think it would have been a bit of a gamble, really, playing the young lad there. So we opted for Henderson, and when the team came out, we, we weren't sure where we were, whether it was going to be Henderson or whether it was going to be Wijnaldum, maybe. But it, it ended up being Henderson, and I thought he'd done okay. I mean, it's difficult, isn't it, for him and, and Milner as well, who played in the game against Crystal Palace, because the natural midfield players, aren't they, and the, the, being asked to do a job and a role out of position in the fullback area, and... Well, I think he struggled a little bit at times in terms of giving us, you know, that little bit of width and creativity and delivery into the box. And it's just, what can you say? You know, he's a good professional, isn't he? Good, honest professional. He's got, he's got the the, the fans out there that criticise him and don't think he's good enough and what have you. But one thing you can never fault with Henderson. He's a great professional. He's always going to give you a hundred percent, no matter what. And there was talk that he wasn't a hundred percent fit himself. I mean, Liverpool had quite a lot of issues going into the game against Leicester. Really, Virgil Van Dijk had been sick, hadn't he? Not trained fully in the build-up to the game. And I thought he, he, he again, he didn't have the best of games. That's what I'm saying about the whole performance. You know, not many played well in a red shirt. I mean, Sadio Mane was was the man of the match for me. What what I said before, but. You know, most of them had off nights and, and even Van Zyck did himself. But you know, like I say, we had a few problems going into the game and Fabinho wasn't 100% fit. That's the reason why I think Klopp opted to start him from the bench really and just brought him on late on in the game. And Henderson was another one. I don't think he trained fully either in the build-up to the game. So he he done a job for us, didn't he? And personally, if you're going to play him, no, you've got to play him midfield. But you know what? We're running out of options, weren't we, for the right back situation, and that's why it makes it even more foolish, really, to allow Nathaniel Klein to go out on loan to Bournemouth the way we did. I can understand for game time, and the lad wanted to play football, but it was at the start of the transfer window. He should have been like a case of we'll come back to us at the end of the transfer window, and we'll see where we're at, and then maybe we'll allow him to go out then. It was just stupid, really, to let him go and. You know, people say he's hardly played any football for 18 months for us, but the facts are he came in to play the game against Manchester United in December time, and I thought he was very good. He's obviously a good professional, isn't he? So, mm. you know, for me, I thought it was it was a very strange decision to allow him to go so soon, so early into the window. And you know, I know you can't really look at it and think you know, no one would have envisioned since Alexander Arnold getting an injury. But why leave yourself short? Why leave yourself with that potential? to happen and, and, and to me it was stupid and we've just found out now we've had to play you know Camacho's had to play right back in, in the FA Cup game against Wolves James Milner's had to play right back in, in the game against Crystal Palace got himself sent off and, and again there against Leicester we've had to play Jordan Henderson there which you know it, it's alien to me he's not a right back he's a centre midfield player so you know it is what it is and we've had to deal with it and get through it and you know we're just hoping now that Trent's available for the game against West Ham all the signs are that he, you know, he's going to be touch and go for it. So it may well have to be James Milner playing right back again, which uh, you know obviously isn't ideal. But in terms of Jordan Henderson, I thought you know, as I say, steady Eddie done okay there. But if you're going to play him, he's got to be playing in centre midfield. And when it comes to the West Ham game, he doesn't tend to be able to play two games in a week. So you know, you'd have to have your doubts that he'd start against West Ham. 
Spot on. Cheers, Jay. Okay, then, back over to you then, Chris. Just going to talk a little bit about the predicted lineup for, for West Ham and also the injury to Marco Anoutovic. Is he going to be ruled out of this um, this fixture, Chris? And if he is, what is your predicted lineup without him in the side, please? Okay, so looking at the injury on Wednesday, and they were talking about fractures, I've not heard anything since then. But um, he looks highly unlikely to be there Monday. I also think that having had a stinker anyway at, at Wolves and had and all the trouble we've had in the um, run-up to these last few weeks, he probably won't want to play at Upton Park anyway. Not Upton Park, sorry. At the London Stadium. Because, um, <laughs> you, know, he's, you know, I think he, he probably needs to do something away first, score a couple of goals and everyone working him back. Rather than humming and ironing, so I don't see him there. So the, the lineup, I see quite a defensive lineup. If I be fair, I, I think that um, we can't afford to do what I think that is going to happen, which is chipping a load of goals. We've we've chipped in nine goals in the last three games. We've chipped in four against Wimbledon, and then you're going to play Liverpool. Just think about that. We're going to face. Mane, Salah, Fumano. Just think about that. I, I think that if I think that if I was anywhere near the management of West Ham, I'd be really trying to dam up and and think. If we lost one or two nil, we got away with one. We can't afford to have half a dozen goals at the London Stadium against us. So I think that we'll, you'll see. Hopefully, if he's not injured, Fabianski in goal. He's been at. Absolutely brilliant, uh, and and it's amazing that we've lost so many goals. And with minus seven, if we hadn't had him, it'd be fifty-seven. Um, I can see a back of five. I can see Diop, who's a real good central defender, having Zabaleta and Ogbonna either side of him, with Fredericks if he's healthy, and Masuaku playing left and right back or wing backs, whatever you like to call them, but really tucking in. And if Masaraki doesn't play, it'd be Creswell. It, I mean, if Zappa doesn't play centre-back, then Creswell, if he's healthy, could do that. I then see a midfield four of Rice, Noble, really playing quite defensive and helping out at the back and trying to cover with, you, you know, your zippy runs in, inside and out. With Antonio and Anderson also helping out. I mean, <laughs> you can see where my head is. I'm really, you know, two buses plus a plus a Sherman tank, I think. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, with, and, and with one striker, it doesn't really matter because none of them are playing very well. It will probably will be Carroll because we can launch it from our defensive um, rampart up there and hope he can do something with it. Um, or Hernandez, if you get bits and bobs from Anderson and, and Antonio bombing down the wing. So, that's it. Going to be a dreary game, but I can see us doing that. Now, I don't know if you want me to say about the scores or anything like that, or you're doing that later on. Yeah, we'll we'll do that. Um, okay, okay. Short, shortly, Chris. Yeah, but yeah, you touched on Andy Carroll. Uh, is is, um, is he fit again now? Is he? Yeah. It depends what you mean by fit. I mean, he's on the park, mm. and um, he's not a hot. Not yeah. 100% yet. He's still finding his way back in. Yeah, he's, he's, he's not 100% match fit. And uh, he can't go off a full a full game. And it, this 
he seems to have lost his way a little bit. I don't know if we're not playing his style, but what you want Andy Carroll to be doing, you want him to be bullying people. He seems to get bullied. He doesn't seem to be... Now, I do know that... I heard you talk about Salah and the rest of his marking his card, knowing he's a little bit light and falling over. With Andy Carroll, people don't allow him to use his arms. Now, Andy Carroll looks dirty, but he's not. He, he, he needs his arms to jump up. And as soon as he does it, he gets, he gets blown up, a warning, gets a yellow card, and that's him done. He can't do anything. And then he, and then he tries to be some sort of fancy-footed winger, midfielder, and it doesn't work. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if he, if he does start up against the big uh, Virgil van Dijk as well. That'll be a, be one to keep an eye on. So, yeah, going to talk uh, about, a bit about the, the Liverpool lineup possibly for the West Ham game, Jay, with, with players now coming back from injury. Do you expect to see um, Milner back in the starting lineup? You've also got uh, Trent possibly coming back in, and then you had the likes of Lovren on the bench, who's, who's back knocking on the door again. We say it every week. You, we can't really second guess Jurgen Klopp's prediction. But if it, if it was in in your shoes, Jay, what, what would be your start eleven, please? Well, as I said before, there and Milner will probably come back in, Moni at right back if Trent doesn't make the game. I mean, obviously there's a couple more training sessions between now and then, so we just don't know yet, do we? Um, but it probably will be Milner at right back. As I said just then, it's it's rare that Henderson plays two games in a week, and it's it's not technically well. It, it is really because we played on the Wednesday. It's going to be a Monday game, so there is an adequate time there really for the potential for them to start. But I I I don't think he will. I think Fabinho will hopefully be ready and you know a little bit fitter for this game. So hopefully he'll start in the middle of the park. You've got to play Wijnaldum because for me. He's arguably been our most consistent midfield performer this season, so he's he's always one of the first names on the team sheet just because of the, the role that he plays for us. So I'd be starting Wijnaldum and Fabinho. I certainly wouldn't be starting a passenger in in Naby Keita, which is which is what he is in when he plays for Liverpool when he starts games. You know he hasn't proved to be good enough yet, and you know that's not getting on the lad's case. But you know when we're in the the midst of a title challenge, there's 14 games to go. You've got to have every single player on it, and he simply isn't really good enough at this moment in time. So I'd, I'd be taking him out the firing line. He'd be on the bench, and also Shakiri as well. I mean, I I always say don't I, especially in the home games, I like Liverpool to start Shakiri, but again, he, he was disappointing against Leicester, so. I would take him out the far line and use him as an impact player from the bench. Um, you're always going to play your forward three, aren't you? The main men, you know, your Salah, your Firmino, um, and your Sadio Mane. In terms of defence, it is a dilemma who partners Virgil van Dijk. I mean, you know, Matip's done okay before he got injured. Um, and Lovren, is, I've never been a massive fan of Lovren. He's a bit of an accident waiting to happen, a bit of a liability. Um, so it is interesting to see what he goes with because he is fit now, he is back available so whether or not Klopp may well decide to mix it up a bit and put Van Dijk alongside Lovren I'm not too sure the only thing that, you know, coming coming up I've got it, obviously the game against Bayern Munich Champions League and Van Dijk suspended for that game isn't he, so it's going to have to be Lovren a matter for that game but you do think, don't you, I mean maybe the opportunity would have been there last night if Van Dijk would have been ill, too ill to play the game. You could have been Lovren and Matter, but you don't want to test it out, do you? 
in, in any of these games before the Bayern Munich game because they're all vitally important. We need three points against West Ham, we need three points against Bournemouth, and that's before the Champions League game. So I, I can't see him playing Matip and Lovland together before the Bayern Munich game. I really can't. If, if Van Dijk's fit and available and he, he's healthy, he's got to be the, the, the one of the first names on the team. She's hasn't he really? So I think he may well go with Matip still because they're the ones who, who are striking the pair and up, aren't they? So I, I do think he'll probably stick with that. As I say, Robertson will be left back and, and Alisson in goal. So again, it just depends on the system, whether he goes 4-2-3-1 or whether he goes 4-3-3. But he does tend to like the four two three one, but I just think it wastes Salah after time because you know playing up against centre halves it's not really ideal, is it? And last season he was doing a lot of his damage from wide areas, and mm-hmm. I think he's hard. He's just not involved enough in games playing as the centre forward. I can Back see the reasons exactly. Well, I can see the yeah. I can see the reasonings behind it, but. For me, I think he's more suited to playing out wide the way he was last season. That's where he done all the damage, got the goals. So you know, it's, it's one of them. Yeah. So, so as I say, that that's what I would go with. But you know, it's entirely up to Klopp, and I think he surprised a few people with his team selection for the Leicester game with with Keita and Shaqiri starting. But I think we'll find against West Ham, both of them will be out to start in eleven. Yeah, I do see Fabio coming back in myself. Alongside um, Win Alderman, and it's the other other position, possibly Milner if um, if Trent's fit. So yeah, be interesting once again to see what lineup we go with. Right, okay, for to play um, the music by the band that's been in touch with us this week. I'm going to get a, a score prediction from uh, from you two. I'm going to go with Chris first, home side. Give us your thoughts on a, a score prediction and your reasons for them, please, Chris. Okay, well, we're with them. And uh, in the last three games, we've lost points that we, we could have won. And I'm gonna, this is going to sound crazy. Liverpool at home is a sort of game that we actually could win. Not because, listen, what's, you're going to have the most possession, big stat. You're going to have the most shots on target, off stat, off, and off target, big stat. But the one set that matters, I think we could end up winning 1-0 purely because of frustration. I can see you guys hitting the bar, hitting the post, hitting the backside, hitting the banjo, just not hitting the back of the net. And I can see all guns moving. I can see Carroll, who's supposed to be up front, spending more time in defence. I can really see a rear guard and frustrating you guys. So much so that, you know, all caution to the wind, because you've been, you've been so one-sided attack versus defence. And then all of a sudden, somebody like Antonio gets the ball in his own half, runs a 400 metres, battering everybody and everything, and somehow <laughs> falling over and knocking it in the net. Or a death touch from, from Anderson. But somehow, I can see a fluky 1-0. Yet, yeah, I might end up biting my pillar, waking up and going more and more and more because I'm keeping the dream. I can see it happening. Fantastic, Chris. And it, that, uh, the way you uh, explained that was very similar to the one that you explained in the in the first game. I remember you told us about Masuaku was going to be flying down that left-hand side at Anfield um, oh. in front of the car. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, explained it lovely again there, Chris, about um, Antonio flying up, doing the, doing the 400 metres uh, in record time. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it should be, it should be, I'm looking forward to watching it. Um, 
I'm just hoping you guys don't score a better basket load. Brilliant. Thanks, Chris. Okay then, Jay, give us your thoughts on the on a score prediction and your your reasons for that, please. It's it's a must win game. We can't drop any more points so so soon after dropping points against Leicester. So it's vitally important we get the victory and get the three points for um like West Ham have got some good players, you know, Felipe Anderson for me he is a quality footballer. Rice is also a very good player. He's been touted around some of the some of the bigger clubs, hasn't he? Um it's whether or not Arnautovic plays or not, I'm not sure. I mean, there was talk that he might have broke his foot, so even if it's just heavy, heavy bruising, I mean, you, you can't see him being available for the game, surely not. I mean, he could could play with an injection, I suppose, but, you know, it's not ideal in them situations. I think he probably needs a little bit of time, doesn't he, to recuperate. Um, you know, if Andy Carroll does play, I think he's a, he's a terrible footballer, he's a hard dog, isn't he, Sunday league player, but... You know, he does cause problems. He's a battering ram, isn't he? And he, he obviously puts himself about and stuff. And it's interesting what Chris was saying there, that he seems to be getting bullied a little bit this season. That's probably down to like his, his fitness levels, and he doesn't look after himself, does he? But he, he can put himself about, though, and he could cause us a few problems if, if he has his mind on the job. And, you know, with him being an ex-player and stuff, he might think he's got a point to prove. You, you know, you just never know, do you? But, um, like I say, Liverpool... We should have a little bit too much for them. We say this time and time again, don't we, on the podcast? You know, Liverpool are far superior to a lot of teams in this Premier League, and it's just how we cope with the pressure. And you know, maybe we can give them a pass for the game against Leicester because the conditions were awful and it was ruined by the weather. And you know, maybe you could you could you could say that about the game. We just don't want that to go into this game now against West Ham. No, we have to make sure that. We're on the money, and we're back to the Liverpool that we've we've seen for majority of this season, and you know improve a little bit in terms of form. Because let's be honest, 2019 has not been great for Liverpool so far. The, the month of January, because you know we lost to Manchester City, that set the tone really. We lost in the FA Cup to Wolves. You know we we weren't exactly fantastic against Brighton away, where we you know a Mo Salah penalty in the second half to win one nil. Crystal Palace game was dodgy at times, wasn't it? And we won four three. And then, and then the Leicester game, you know, where we, we were we were leading and we dropped points. So it, Liverpool's form has not been great the past month. So we could do it, um, you know, a little bit of an improvement there. And you know, what, why not start at West Ham? You know, it's a new month, February time. Liverpool you know, need to kick on, and, and and hopefully it'll start at the London Stadium against West Ham. And look, they're no mugs, they're not soft. You know, they're not a bad side. Liverpool beat them at the start of the season four, and it'll caught them cold a little bit when all the new players had not gelled together. And we did say, you know, at the start of the season, you'll see the best of West Ham as the season progresses when these the players bed in and they gel together under the new manager, but. They've just hit a bit of a tricky spell, haven't they? I mean, it was a bad defeat in the FA Cup to Wimbledon, you know, a lower league team. To concede four goals to them is pretty poor, isn't it? And then to go to Wolves, there was no sort of reaction, was there, in the midweek game against Wolves away? They lost 3-0, and I believe they were really poor. Could have been a half-full, could have been even more than three. So, you know, from that aspect of it, you'd have to say we're playing them at a time where the confidence is going to be low, isn't it, really? And I know you're expecting a reaction when you have a couple of bad results, but you would have thought there'd been a reaction against Wolves, and there simply wasn't. So they're not in the, in, the, in the best place at the moment themselves. I'm talking about Liverpool's form not being great in 2019 so far. Well, you know, West Ham's has been worse, hasn't it? So, 
you know, in that sense, we've got to go into the game with a bit of confidence, and we we know it's it's vitally important to get these three points, as I've just said. So, you know, Man City play Arsenal on the Sunday, so they could reduce the gap to two points. So Liverpool really do need to extend it back to five, and I, and I think we will do. I mean, you know, Liverpool have started to ship a few goals lately as well. I do think West Ham might have a goal in them, but. If Liverpool are on it and we perform to the levels we know we're capable of, I can see us scoring three. So I'll go for a scoreline of West Ham one, Liverpool three. Okay, thanks very much, Shane. Yeah, my own thoughts on the on the scoreline and a prediction. I think, yeah, you should both made valid points about the about the teams in and the current form. I think, yeah, West Ham are going to be looking to bounce back from from their their form they probably see it as like look that that's that's gone now that form's out the window we, we've got a chance now we're on on television to show um what we can do against this Liverpool side so with that in mind hopefully West Ham won't won't play as deep as like Chris is expecting them to be with players near enough playing behind the goal because <laughs> they're going to be that deep but I just think because because of the the form they've been in they're going to have to come out a little bit and and try and try and put some pressure on us which will which will open the game up which is exactly what we want to happen really so I just think um, with the likes of, of Salah and Firmino Mane on the break um, if, if West Ham are going to come at us I think we can see us scoring at least two goals so my scoreline prediction is going to be a, a 2-0 victory for Liverpool in this fixture so just before we, we go, lads, I'm just going to introduce the band that we're going to play on the podcast this week. We always play an unsigned band or an artist. This week, these lads have been in touch with us. They're from the, the Nottingham area of England. The lads in the band go by the names of Ollie, Josh, Joe and Lewis. And they're called Kukamaris. And the song I'm going to play for you tonight is called Glass Jaw.
easy to be heard. So take your hand up, put your mouth instead of waiting for your turn. It's not easy, it's not easy, it's not easy to be heard. So take your hand up, put your mouth instead of waiting for your turn. It's not easy, it's not easy, it's not easy to be heard. So that song was called Glass Jaw by Kukamaris. Thanks very much to the to the lads for getting in touch with us on Twitter and thanks very much to a guy called John Oxley who's been sending us a lot of um, links to music. He's based in Sheffield himself, massive massive music fan, um, knows that we were always looking for bands to play on, on the podcast each week and especially the unsigned signed bands and artists. So thanks very much to John Oxley from uh, Sheffield for, for sending the, um, the links to these bands for us. Okay, so yeah, just like to say a big thanks to the at Liverpool online Facebook and Twitter page that's been um, in association with us this year. You can get the podcast and um, you can check out all the social media platforms. The link is on the the Twitter page, and also um, a big thanks to the support for the the No More Knives campaign that's going in Merseyside now with uh, with Paul Bentley. Uh, lots of things going on with him and. Going to stick a few links up to the uh, to the No More Knives campaign over the, the next coming few weeks as well. So, thanks very much to Chris and Jay for your time tonight, lads. Enjoyed the show. Hope you did. Pleasure. Love it. Cheers, lads. Enjoy the game. Excellent stuff. Thanks very much, lads. Really appreciate it. So, that's the Cop Table podcast for the West Ham versus Liverpool game. All done. We'll be back with our Bournemouth uh, preview. Uh, later on at the end of next week. So thanks very much, everybody, for listening and uh, speak to you all very soon. Goodbye. So let's say you're into yoga or Pilates or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us with whole fruits and organic veggies plus type 2 collagen. Make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the Stretch and Flex smoothie and tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Time to fire up the grill. Time to go to Total Wine and find the perfect flavor to pair with those burgers. Ooh, I love their beer cooler. <laughs> you love their prices even more. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Sports Social Podcast Network.